This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Hallelujah. Well, again, this week we're going to teach on how much do you know about divine healing and health? How much do you know about divine healing and health? Now, if you're a person that loves to spend the day in the emergency room, then this is not for you. But if you've been in the emergency room and spent your whole day there, then this is for you if you don't want to go back and do it again. If if you're a person that loves to call in sick and get no pay, and then have big doctor bills to pay, and wait for prescriptions for two or three days, but you really want them now, if that's the kind of stuff you like, the life you live, this is not for you. But if you want to miss work only because you want to, because you want to do something, and not because you're sick, then you need to hear this message. Now, it's going to show you how to stay well. And if you have sick days on your job coming, you can call them well days. Just say, hey, guys, I'm calling in today for a well day. That's what I used to do as a truck driver. I remember back before there was uh, such a thing as sick days, Teamsters was one of the first ones that did this. And back in the late 70s, that's a little few days ago. Anyway, in our contract into the 70s, they negotiated for a thing that's going to get us five sick days a year. I didn't know anybody else ever had it at that point in time. So anyway, my first year, got those sick days. Uh, I, I, I was a born-again Christian, got born again, found about divine healing, knew it belonged to me. And so there's no way I was going to confess sick. I found out I could have what I say. And so I didn't take my sick days. I, that, you know, I thought, well, I'll just lose them because I didn't take them. But about uh, January of the following year, my check one time was a whole week extra pay. I said, what's this? And they said, you didn't use your sick days last year, so we gave them to you. We got the pay for it. So then after that, I, I come to find out, talked to them, said, well, if you call in, you don't have to be sick. Just tells you want a day off. So I thought, well, good. I can take advantage of that. But the whole thing was, I was so serious about divine healing and divine health. I knew that if I prayed and believed I was healed, then what, why would I call and say I'm sick? Yep. Amen. 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 You know, if I was going to call in and say anything, I would call in and say, you know what? I've been prayed for, and I wasn't feeling good, but I've had hands laid on me, and I'm getting better all the time. But while I'm getting better, I like to have the day off. Amen. Any, anyway, I'm telling you, I've learned some things in the last 39 years about divine healing and health. I've taught healing school for years and years, and healing's been one of my main ministries. And so I want to show you a couple of books as we look at this tonight. And I'm going, to, I'm going to keep on challenging you. I'm teaching this from a different perspective than I ever have. Here's one called Healing Scriptures, Healing Scriptures by Brother Hagen. He, he was my primary mentor. And the reason I have this book out here tonight is because I'm going to be giving you some homework. And you need to study the main textbook, which is your Bible, and learn some scriptures. This here, if you don't know where a lot of healing verses are in the Bible, this here tells you a lot of healing verses in the Bible it will help you if, you if you're new at this or if you just really don't know a lot because you've been spiritually lazy. Somebody said, well, I don't like that word. Well, I'll tell you what, if you're spiritually lazy, it can cost you your life. you got to come out of it and get serious about some things. But anyway, this will show you what healing verses are. And then here's another one. This was the first book Brother Hagen ever, ever wrote called Redeemed. Redeemed from pop, sickness, poverty, and spiritual death. And this book shows you in the Bible what Jesus has set us free from. Christians don't have to be poor. Christians don't have to be sick. And redeemed spiritual death means that nobody in the whole world has to go to hell. Spiritually dead means you're separated from God for eternity. 
And so you don't have to have spiritual death. You can ask Jesus in your heart, become a born-again Christian. But anyway, there's more to life on earth after you're born again than just going through like you did when you didn't know Jesus. He has a plan for us to live right and live good. Amen? And so we're going to talk again tonight about how much you know about divine healing. I want you to look at Hosea 4, 6, and you'll probably not find it, so just put it on the screen. But it's in the Old Testament before Amos and Joel and some of those books. But Hosea 4, 6, God says in that verse, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And the knowledge God's talking about is Bible knowledge. Knowledge of God, because in today's world, I'll tell you what, there's not a lack of knowledge out there, man. I'll tell you what, you do the Google, you do the Yahoo's and the Gazoo's and all the Who's and Who's and the Boo's and the Criers and the Whiners and everything you want to know. I'll tell you what, if you want to know something about a sickness you get attacked with, I'll tell you what, just, just, just go, just go on Facebook and put all there. Hey, friends, doctor told me I had this. Can anybody tell me anything about it? I'll tell you what, you, 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 within an hour, you'll probably have two dozen ways to die, that diagnosis. And then another way to get some private counsel to say, is, to say, is to say, hey, you guys pray for me, I don't want to talk about it, and then you get the message me, hon. And then when they get that, they'll tell you why their aunt died of that. They'll tell you why their brother didn't make it. They'll tell you about the people they work with work with, they're totally paralyzed the rest of their life because of it, and you get all the knowledge you want, but the wrong knowledge. God said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. He didn't say the world, he said his people. How many here belong to Jesus? Amen. That means you're his people then. And so look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to me. Amen. Destroyed for lack of knowledge. Anyway, uh, I want to remind you, of a couple questions I've asked you every week while I'm teaching this. And this is really serious. It could be a matter of life and death for you or somebody you love. Number one, how many healing verses do you know? How many healing verses do you personally know? I'm not talking about phrases or a couple words you heard somebody preach or you heard one time something about this. It's in the Bible. No, not that it's in the Bible. How many healing verses do you know? And can you tell me chapter and verse where they are in the Bible? Amen. This is something to really think about. And, you know, this, this is serious. You know, there's so many things I can tell you about the Word of God. Jesus said in John 15, 7, if you abide in Him and His words abide in you, that's what you will be done in you. He said if His words are live in you. Well, if you don't know any to quote, they're certainly not living in you. If you say, well, I heard somebody say the Bible says, well, maybe it does or maybe it don't. You have to know what it says. You have to know where it's at. Uh, Mark chapter 16, a very, very, very familiar passage called the Great Commission. In verse 20, it says that Jesus worked with them confirming the word. Confirming the word besides following. Well, if you don't have any word that you know, how can he confirm it? Amen. Isaiah 55:11, Old Testament, God said, My word shall not return to me void, but shall accomplish that which I please, and prosper the thing whereto I sent it. Well, if you don't have any word that's in you that you're praying, then how can God confirm it? How can it come to pass in your life? 
And you know, on and on and on. That's just a few of my thinking. I'm just standing here why this is so important. And so I really, really, really want to take you out of your comfort zone of just coming to church, getting the fuzzy feeling, and then me getting the phone calls next week about, hey, did you hear about so-and-so? They're in the hospital. What happened? Or, hey, how come, how come so-and-so wasn't here Wednesday night? Well, didn't you hear this in the emergency room? And just over and over and over and over again, God said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And so what, 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 what my goal is in teaching this series is to bring you up a level so you don't just leave the church service and say, man, I feel good tonight. Boy, I felt good. What, what, pastor, pastor really hit a home run. Man, he, he really told it like it was. I like that. And then the devil come knocking on your door in a couple days. Or somebody you love, one of your kids, somebody you love close to you, and all of a sudden you think, boy, I wish you knew those verses the pastor knows. Well, they don't come by wishing. They come by getting serious yourself. And so I, I just want to tell you again, I'm not trying to condemn anybody about what you don't know. I'm trying to challenge you so you'll learn to know. Amen. The only way you're going to learn anything is to study. And the only way you're going to study is decide this is a priority over other things in my life right now in this season. I want to learn some things. I want to know some things. And so I'm going to look at my schedule. I'm going to take some things off my list. It takes up my time. And I'm going to put Bible time in there and become a regular assistant disciple. You know a disciple means student? Did you ever notice when you read modern translations when the disciples talk to Jesus, what did they call him in modern translations? It says teacher. They'd say teacher. Well, if they were his disciples, he is a teacher, they must have been the students. Amen. Doing good preaching, Pastor. Amen. We want, we want to help people. And so anyway, Hosea 4, 6 says, now listen to this. I'm going to step on your toes. He said, I'm going to paraphrase this. One of the main reasons Christians fail to receive healing from God is ignorance of God's word. That's what lack of knowledge is. It means ignorance. He said ignorance, lack of knowledge of God's word. And I want to say this. I didn't say that. The Bible did. The Bible said that God's people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And it's not God that does to destroy it. You think about John 10, 10. Uh, I wonder how many people here, I'm not going to ask you to, but just raise your hand if you know what John 10, 10 says. Praise the Lord. Got a bunch of hands. Good. That's really great. So therefore, you know that God's not the destroyer. In John 10, 10, he said, the thief cometh not, but to steal, to kill, and... To destroy. And so the devil is the destroyer. Jesus, God the Father, they're the good guys. They're the healers, the Savior, the deliverers. They're the ones that's on your side. And so, so many Christians, because they're ignorant of that verse there, that's called knowledge of God because that's God's Word. And, you know, if you're, if you're uh, going to be talking to somebody about something and uh, it's, you know, say whatever subject, say, say it's working on cars. We've got a lot of mechanic stuff in here. You know, you'd ask the mechanic, say, hey, uh, I, my, my uh, brakes are making noise. Can, can you check my brakes? Well, if they're a person that's never been a mechanic on brakes, but just on engines and air conditioners, stuff like that, they say something like this. I have no knowledge of that subject. I've never studied that part. But then if you want to go to somebody to get an air conditioner worked on and they're a brake man, then they'd say, I have no knowledge of air conditioners. I've never studied it. And so for Christians... A lot of Christians have a lot of knowledge maybe about what the Bible says about money, what the Bible says about born again, what the Bible says about different things, but you talk to them about healing, 
I'd say, how many Christians here tonight can tell me your favorite healing verse? If I ask you right now, tell me your favorite healing verse and tell me where it is in the Bible. That would show you if you have knowledge. Amen. And so lack of knowledge simply means ignorance. And God said ignorance will get you destroyed. Amen. Amen. I'm doing better preaching than you are shouting in the, in the challenge zone. And so what is the cure for ignorance? Knowledge of the Bible on the subject that you're ignorant in. Amen. You know, a lot of Christians, uh, because they've never been taught from the Bible, they don't understand speaking in tongues. And so the cure for understanding the baptism of the Holy Ghost is speaking in tongues is to open your own Bible and pray and start following verses on it. And when those verses get off those pages, get into your head, get into your heart, all of a sudden you understand why tongues. You understand what it's all about, but until you study it, that's why you'd be confused. That's why you wouldn't understand. You wonder, what's going on? What are these people talking about? Well, they've studied something you haven't. And so, see, that's what it is for any Bible subject. Whatever subject you don't know about, you got to study. And so we're talking tonight about the area of divine healing and how much do you know about divine healing. Now, I want you to open up to Romans now, chapter 12, verse 1. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And, uh, you know, you know, the thing about, the thing about divine healing, that there's a really good possibility, God's not the tester. But there's really good possibility that you might be tested sometime in your life with a diagnosis you don't want to hear. Or maybe, uh, me, that when I was, uh, back in the 80s, I was, I was, I was a teacher in a divine healing class at a church that had 500 people, and I, I was a teacher in the class. I did not want to hear the diagnosis that my son, Pastor Dave, when he's three and a half years old, all of a sudden, just overnight, he got crippled, he had leukemia. I did not want to hear that. But when that test came, I knew it was an open book test. All I had to do was open the book. I opened the book and I already had scriptures in my heart. I already had scriptures in my thinking. I already knew the Bible, what it said about healing. It was real to me. But I opened up my Bible. I read the Word of God out. I think Jesus was working in his life. I took authority over the devil and said, Devil, you're not going to have my son. Take your hands off of him in Jesus' name. The Word of God says, hey, did you ever read in the Bible what just talked about Jesus was tempted of the devil? Anybody read tempted 40 days in the wilderness? What did Jesus answer the devil with? It is written. Satan, it is written. Satan, it is written. And Jesus, when you stop to study his life, it says that Jesus, even when he was 12 years old, said he spent the day in the temple, and his family was looking for him. What was he doing? It says he was disputing and reading and discussing the scriptures with the priest. Jesus spent time learning the word of God as a human being. He was God, but he was human. He spent time learning the word of God, and then when the big test came, he didn't say, Oh, Father, wouldst thou help me? He looked the problem of the devil right in the eye. He said, Satan, it is written. And he quoted the word of God. And Satan come back from another direction. He said, Satan, it is written. And it come back to the word of God. Then Satan hit him again. He said, Satan, it is written. And so we as Christians, we as Christians have to have some it is written in our vocabulary. We have to have some it is written in our heart. Because when the test comes, without the mercy of God, you probably won't pass the test. 
That could mean you get to go to heaven early. Amen. Well, I tell you what, I thank the Lord every day for my life after what I went through last year. I thank Him every day. I thank Him that I thank Him for heaven, how good it is. But I thank Him I got to stay on earth a long time to finish what He called me to do. Amen. And so anyway, you want to pass the test. So talking about talking about how to get yourself uh, schooled up in the Word of God, <clears throat> Hebrews Romans chapter twelve, verse one says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, now look at this, that you present your bodies. You present your bodies to alcohol and drugs and to sex outside of marriage and to smoking and to staying out late and not getting enough sleep, never getting enough exercise. Make sure you always go to the buffets and make sure you eat all you can and more than you can. Make sure you get your money's worth and get real fat so you can have diabetes and heart disease. Is that what it says? Wasn't that the opposite of what it says? It says present your bodies a living sacrifice. Present your bodies as holy. Acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And the Greek says... That's your, that, 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 that's your spiritual service. It's a spiritual service to God when you take care of your body. You know, the New Testament teaches us that our bodies are temples of who? The Holy Ghost. Our bodies are temples of the Holy Ghost. And so we have to know that if the temple isn't healthy, we can't be used by God like He wants to use us if the temple is incapacitated. If the temple suffering all the time, we can't do what God wants us to do. That's why he said, present your bodies, live and sacrifice. And this is not the message tonight, but it's right before the next verse we're going to get to. And so I don't want to spend a lot of time on this verse, but is this in the Bible? Amen, it's in the Bible. And so anyway, think about this. With modern communication and all the knowledge the world puts out every day about your but your health, they tell you you can live longer and enjoy a better quality of life if you take care of your body. I mean, even the world that doesn't know God, I mean, you think about it right now, I would say probably in this congregation tonight, we have a good, good majority of people that go out of their way to exercise, to eat right, to walk two miles a day or three miles a day or whatever they do, to make sure they do all these different things and they don't smoke, and they don't drink. And they try to get enough sleep, and all those different things. For what reason? They know they're going to live longer. They take care of their body. And so for Christians, Christians should be at least as smart as the world. If the world tells you cigarettes cigarettes will hurt your lungs and your breathing and cause heart disease, right there will be enough reason for a Christian to look to Jesus and say, Jesus... Help me get off of these. Help me be delivered, Jesus. And you know, I I don't care about politically correct. I want to be biblically correct. I don't care if they say marijuana is good for you. If marijuana smoke, if regular cigarette smoker hurts your lungs, then if marijuana gives you a little buzz for a while to make you forget you're hurting somewhere else, at the same time killing your lungs, what's right about that? Out alcohol, and you know, I think about the about the illicit sex part. 
I, I, I was thinking about that because, you know, I know it's not real popular to talk about sex and all that kind of stuff, but the world lives on it. And the church is sucked into it and duped by it. But you know, the only safe sex there is, two virgins to get married and never have sex with anybody else. You know what the Bible teaches? Save yourself for your husband, for your wife. Save yourself for that. That's the only guarantee there is of that kind of thing. So I'm telling you, the Bible, the Bible is the one that set this whole thing up and the world got a hold of it. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. Amen. Amen. Stepping on some toes, are we? Amen. That's okay. Jesus will heal them. Amen. Amen. And so the, so the world knows exercise, eating right, and getting enough sleep and all those kind of things. And God's the one that said it first. He said, present your bodies. So if you do what God says, then you're going to live longer and live stronger. But then get down to verse 2. This is what we want to get to, the answer for ignorance, so you won't be destroyed. And verse 2 then says, after you present your bodies, be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove was that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What this means is this. You must reprogram your mind to look at life and see it through the eyes of your covenant with God. How do you know we've got a covenant with God? Amen. The New Testament is the new covenant. The Old Testament's the old covenant. And so this is the new, this is the new covenant. And so what he's saying right here, quit thinking like the world thinks about life. Reprogram your mind. Start seeing things through the covenant. Start seeing things like God sees them. Start seeing things through the blood and sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Start seeing, like that book I showed you about redeemed from poverty, sickness, and spiritual death. Start seeing yourself how God sees you. How many here are new creature in Christ? Second Corinthians five seventeen said, "You're born again. You're new creature in Christ." Start seeing yourself as that new creation. You're not the loser you used to be. I heard, I heard something said years ago. It's always stuck with me. Uh, you know, I know, I know the Hells Angels guys started out here in California, but we had the outlaws in Indiana. And anyway, the outlaws out there, one of their favorite tattoos they had was called Born to Lose. And so all those outlaws out there had the same tattooed on their arms and everything like that. Born to Lose. Well, after I got born again, heard a guy preach a sermon one time. I've been born again to win. And so I think about life that every one of us, every one of us basically were born losers. But we got born again. We became children of God, sons and daughters of God. We've got a new father. We've got a new spiritual heritage. We've got a new life. But if we don't see ourselves through the eyes of that covenant, what God sees about us, then we're going to think sickness. We're going to think disease. We're going to think no cure. We're going to think losing. We're going to say dumb things like, well, if it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Uh, I'm so poor, I can't raise an umbrella. <laughs> you know, I've heard preachers say those dumb things, those stupid things, uh, just poor as a church mouse. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't want any mice in my church, but if I have one in this church, he's going to be a poor one. He's going to have something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to confess poverty nor sickness because I've got a covenant with God. I want you to hold your place. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. And we're talking tonight about ignorance 
of what belongs to you could cost you your life. Ignorance could cost you everything. You know, I think about, I think about sickness. I think about John, uh, 10, 10, what Jesus said, the thief comes, still kill, destroy. Think about what all sickness does to a family. A lot of you guys know this. Sickness doesn't just cause the person that's got it to hurt to have a bad life. It affects their whole family. It affects their money. Affects their retirement. Could cost them their jobs. There's so many things that come with sickness. There's no way, shape, or form anybody could ever pin sickness on God that God's the one that sent it. God does not want you to lose your life. God doesn't want you to lose your job. God doesn't want you broke. God doesn't want your family depressed all the time because you hurt so bad. Amen. That ought to tell you right there, if you don't think about Jesus and the love of God, that ought to tell you right now that God wants you well. And so if God wants you to well, and the Bible teaches God wants you to well, and the Bible says that you're destroyed for lack of knowledge, then I would get real serious about learning some things about the Bible, about healing. And so Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12 and this passage is really good. I saw this years ago, and it's always stuck with me. And Paul's talking about what life was like for a Christian before they got saved. As if this doesn't sound like your life. I know it sounds like mine was. At that time, Bernie was without Christ. He was an alien from the commonwealth of Israel, or of God, stranger for the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God. Having no hope and without God in the world. That's how I was. But I'm born again now. I have hope. I have God. I'm not alienated from the covenant. I'm in the covenant now. Say this. Say, I have hope. I have God. I have a covenant. I belong to Jesus. I don't think like the world thinks. I think like the Bible says. God said, I'm his child. He loves me. He wants me to live long. He wants me to live strong. And I'm going to learn how. Now shout. Amen. No hope without God of the world. And so this is how we see life facing a health crisis. Now listen to what I'm saying. Because I want you to examine yourselves. I want to bring you up a level from where you were yesterday to where you can be today and tomorrow. And so this is how we used to see life when things like a health crisis came. This is, this is still how unsaved people and too many Christians see sickness and disease. This is still how your friends and family don't know God look at stuff. They hear the word cancer and they immediately go into a nosedive planning funerals. Amen. They, they, they hear the word, there's no cure for that yet. And immediately, they're making plans for funerals. You know why? Because they have no hope. And without God in the world. Well, I, well, I want to say this. If this is talking about you, if you're afraid of the word cancer, you really need to get serious about what I'm teaching. If you're afraid of the word terminal, and we're not talking about airports. Although, you know, you have to use faith at airports these days. But anyway, if you get a diagnosis for you or somebody you love is close to you, they say it's terminal, and you get fear over that, then you need to listen closely. Amen. If you, if you hear, if you hear the words, 
from the doctors that, well, it's only going to get worse. It'll never get better. You can live a long time with the medication. He just expects it'll get worse and worse and worse and worse. If those kind of things throw fear into your heart, you really need to listen. Amen. Because I want to say this again. Paul said in Ephesians 2.12, he says, you used to be in the world with no hope and without God. He said, you were a stranger to this covenant. He says, you were alienated from this covenant, but you're no more in the world. In John 17, the last prayer that Jesus prayed is a pretty long prayer. Jesus said, Father, I'm praying for these, my own, my chosen. He said, they're in the world, but they're not of the world. And so we have to understand we are temporarily, temporarily coming through this life here on earth in this world. But we're really from another place. It's called heaven. When we got born again, our names are written in heaven. When we got born again, we received the nature of God. We got born again, we received promises of God and his word that told us, I want you to live strong. I want you to live long. I want you to live prosperous. I want you to live free from the power of the devil. I want you to walk in dominion over everything the enemy throws against you. That's what I want to do. But just one thing I ask you to do, study my word. Then like Pastor Dave said, keep my commandments. And somebody said, you talk about the Ten Commandments? Well, that's just a start. Jesus gave us some more. He said, go the extra mile. Somebody give you a hard time, go the extra mile. He said, turn the other cheek. He said, forgive if you want to be forgiven. Amen. He said, if they persecute you, he said, jump for joy. Because they persecuted the prophets before you. There's lots of things Jesus told us to do. And that doesn't say before him, commandments. But if Jesus says something to do, I receive it as a command. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm, I'm enjoying this. I'll tell you what, I, I, I see faces that are getting real serious. I see challenges. I want, I want to take you into the challenge zone and get you out of the comfort zone. Amen. The comfort zone will kill you. The challenge, the cha- challenge zone will bring you up higher. And so back to Romans 12 too. If you want to break this down and look at it a little bit so you can understand it, because the purpose of this verse is the cure for he, for Hosea 4, 6, by people destroyed for lack of knowledge. So he's telling you right here how to reprogram yourself so you have God's knowledge and get the negativity of the world out of you. And so how can you see your physical health like God sees it? Well, number one, if you want to see your physical health like God sees it, be not conformed to this world. Be not conformed to this world. Now listen to what, listen to what I'm going to say now. That means, that means you have to change your thinking about some things, but many of the things... The world does. We have to do too because we live here. Uh, we, we, we work. We shop just like the world does. We work. We shop. We buy food. We buy clothing. We drive cars. We go to school. We like sports and recreation. There's a lot of things the world does that we do too because we're citizens of this world, but we have dual citizenship. We're citizens of heaven. And so what is God saying here? Now listen, I'm going to tell you what he's saying. We don't handle problems and make decisions like the world does. When faced with crisis, we respond different than the world does. When seeking things about life, like jobs, I, I, I can't go down that road at all. I got to stay stay away from that. The thing is, you should pray if a job comes your way, as if it's what God wants you to have. The world doesn't do that. The world says, "Big bucks." 
Good benefits. But does it pull you away from God? Does it put you back out of temptation? Does it put you places you don't want to go? And be around people you really shouldn't be around, etc., etc. You need to pray. See, this is what he's talking about. Don't be conformed to the world. The world makes our decisions, all their decisions based upon what's good for me. God wants you to make decisions upon, Lord, is this your plan for my life? Amen. And so that's what he's talking about here, that we think different, we see things different. He says, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so that means to get an agreement with the word of God in your thinking. To get your mind to start thinking like God thinks. Uh, I think about uh, your mind. Think about this, what I'm going to say. Your mind is the doorway. Your mind is the gate to your spirit. What comes in your mind gets into your spirit. And Jesus said, for the buttest of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Jesus said, you'll have what you say. And so if your mind is totally, totally, totally still thinking like an unsaved person, then how are you going to get faith in your heart when your mind's feeding your heart? If all you ever hear is cancer kills, cancer kills, cancer kills. Well, you know what I hear when I hear cancer kills? Jesus heals, Jesus heals, Jesus heals. You know, when I, when I, when I, when I hear, when I hear terminal, 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 you know what I hear? Psalm 91, 16, with long life will I satisfy you to show you my salvation. With long life will I satisfy you and show you my salvation. All last year, I kept hearing, with long life will I satisfy you and show you my salvation. That wasn't what doctors were saying, stage four heart attacks, all that kind of stuff. But you know what? My mind has been transformed. Now let me tell you about the word transformed. How many people take notes when they come? Does anybody ever take notes? Amen. Take good notes. Transform comes from the Greek word metamorphi. Metamorphi. And we got a word we learned in school. How many here went to school? Anybody here go to school? I did back with, uh, before John Kennedy was president, but <laughs> and then after he was president. But anyway, uh, we, we learned a word in school called metamorphosis. Anybody remember the word metamorphosis? And then what they showed us that was, it was like a, a, a tadpole turning into a frog. It changes. Or a caterpillar. I'll wait till we can focus because this is a really important part of the sermon. I don't want you to lose it. Or a caterpillar weaving a cocoon and getting lost in a cocoon and then coming out as a beautiful butterfly. It was a caterpillar, but it changed. It, was, it was, went through metamorphosis. It was transformed from what it was into something beautiful. Well, that's what he says right here. Your mind is be metamorphosed, metamorphosis. And so listen to what I'm going to say. Though. I'm going to tell you something about your spiritual life. The new birth is instantaneous. When you say the sinner's prayer, however was you prayed it, you know, you, there's so many ways you say the sinner's prayer because God's listening. The main thing is, however it was, whether it was at a church altar or you was out at home or somebody prayed for you on the telephone or something, they said, do you want to ask Jesus into your heart? He said, yes, I do. Well, when you said, God, forgive me of my sins, Jesus, come into my heart, forgive me. Jesus, I give my life to you. Well, that there was instantaneous in an atomic second. Your spirit was changed. It wasn't transformed. If a man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things passed away. All things become anew. 
all things are of God. So your spirit needs no more help. When you ask Jesus in, immediately the life of God came in. Death left. Life came in. There's no metamorphosis there. It just happened. It's over. It's done. You cannot improve what happened that. Your spirit can never get any better. That's where it is. Because how can it be if it's all God? If you got the nature of God, how can you prove that? But your mind is still here. That's why I said, you spirit man, present your body, and then take authority over your mind. You program, you program your mind, and so you've got to transform your mind. That's a process. It's a lifelong process. Matter of fact, something interesting, you know, we, we moved recently, and uh, Mrs. Pastor's got lots of my little boxes I've saved for 40 years with all kinds of little things in them. I opened up a couple little boxes the other day, and I, I, I actually found my very first little New Testament Bible I got back in 1980. And then, then I found the first little index cards I wrote on when I first started learning verses. I, I remember when I wrote those things way back that long ago. But see, it was a process. I, I, I wasn't raised in the Baptist church. I wasn't raised in the Methodist church or any Holy Ghost church. I was raised in the tavern. My parents were drinkers, and they liked us so much, they bought a house across from the tavern. And if they was too loaded to go over to the tavern, they had to deal with the bartender, he'd bring it to the door. One of his kids would take it into him. So uh, my, my, my weekends, uh, when the tavern was closed, I liked, I liked the tavern owner's daughter. She liked me, so we hung out in the tavern. We climbed up on beer case and played and just, you know, played under the bar stools and et cetera, et cetera. And so what I'm saying is this, I, know, I knew no Bible. I didn't have any Bible to know. So when I got born again in 1980, I had to start writing scriptures down and read my Bible. And so when I would hear the pastor teach a verse, I would write it down. I'd stick it in my pocket. And when I worked on the truck dock, I'd carry it in my pocket. And every afternoon I'd pull it out and look at it. I'd quote it chapter and verse. I'd read it out loud. I would take it home. I'd put it beside my bed. I'd have my Bible beside my bed. I'd open my Bible. I'd look at my card. When I got in the morning time, I'd read those verses and one by one, I went through metamorphosis. One by one, my mind got to the place to where the word sickness, disease, fatal, terminal, cancer would not compute. It hit up there, I've been reprogrammed. All my mind, all my mind said was, by his stripes you were healed. Elders of the church, pray the prayer of faith, anoint with all. Prayer of faith heals the sick. Submit to God, resist the devil, he flees from you. Believers lay hands sick, they shall recover. By his stripes you were healed. Redeemed from the curse of the law. Everything come my way. It hit up there. And you know how they got these all these different computer things they use? Anyway, there was no virus in there anymore. All was in there was a pure, unadulterated word of God. And when something come my way, it hit up here. Shield of faith went up. Shield of faith quenched fiery darts. Fiery darts went that way. Word of God came out. And I walked in divine healing. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. And so I was metamorphosed. My mind was renewed. And so uh, spiritually, I began to change into something beautiful, like like the, 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 the caterpillar changed into something beautiful. I wasn't just a worm anymore. I began to walk in the light as a child of God. And so how many of you believe 3 John 2? How many of you know 3 John 2? About five people. That is very, very, very sad. That's really sad. This is part of your homework. Third John 2 says, Beloved, above all else, 
I wish that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. And so third John 2, I threw that out there because I want, I want to wind this thing down. I have to wind it down because we're running out of time. I want you to look at 2 Timothy 2.15, but third John 2 is God's will for every believer. 2 Timothy 2.15 I want to say again, I'm challenging you because I'm a spirit-led pastor. I got a call of God on my life to change people's lives. And so instead of just all the time, just have a nice little fluffy things that, you know, say, hey, man, does that make you feel good? That make you feel good? Well, it might make you feel good while you're in here. But what if you're in the emergency room at two o'clock in the morning and the doctor says, very little hope? Or what if you get a call? At nine o'clock in the morning, somebody close to you just had something happen. They're there. And you're of no hope without God. And you show up there. But you show up the Word of God. You know what you do? You show up the hospital, the Word of God to emergency. You walk in like this. You say, devil, in the name of Jesus, right now I rebuke you by the blood of Jesus Christ. Take your hands off them right now. I don't mean maybe. In Jesus' name, rise up. That's what you do when you follow the Word of God. But if you're not full of the Word of God, you're full of fear. And so, when you're full of fear, you say, what did the doctor say? Oh, that's too bad. They, they were a good person. Well, they're still laying there. They're still breathing. They, they were a really good person. They don't deserve this. That's not fair. Well, you know, when I walk in the hospital, first thing I want to say to is, what did the doctor say? Because I want to know. I want to know how to pray. I want to know what to take authority over. you got to know what the doctor said. But when you find out what the doctor said, you handled it in faith. God told me something years ago. It's always stuck with me. He said, faith doesn't deny things. Faith changes things. If you're in denial, how can you change it? Well, a, a, a pastor, pastor, do me a favor. I'm going for examination. Will you pray? They don't find anything? Well, that might not be a good prayer for you. Because you're the place in life where you are right now. They need to find something that's not a treat so we can keep you alive long enough to get some faith in you. You better get some pills. Better get some help. We want to keep you breathing. Second Timothy 2.15. Kids, stay up there for a while and get ready for Easter. Or for the spiritually renewed Resurrection Sunday. Second Timothy 2.15. says this. Now this is not a cuss word. It's in the Bible, study. That's not a dirty word. Study. Show thyself approved unto God, a workman that is not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly interpreting the word of truth. And so anyway, if you want to get good grades in school, the main thing you must take time to do is study. If you want to pass the GED, study. If you're going to get a driver's license, study. Anything you're doing in life that you want to do good at, study. So he says, study the Word of God. He said, study, show yourself proof of God. And so if you want to enjoy divine health and receive healing, if you need it, you must sacrifice. Now listen to this. You must sacrifice and set aside time to study the Word of God on healing. I want to give you some healing verses now to take home with you. I want to give you some healing verses to study and learn this week and know their address, where to find them. And next week, now listen to this, next week, 
Well, I hope the church doesn't empty out. I hope some of you come back next week. But next week, I'm going to ask for volunteers to quote a Bible verse they learned this week. And where's that in the Bible? How many would take that challenge that you would be willing to learn a Bible verse on healing this week? And some of these are real short verses. You learn real easy. But see, the thing is, these verses will put faith in your heart to stay alive. These verses will put faith in your heart to pray for your children, to pray for your parents, to pray for people you love. And so this is not something that's just, well, I don't like that. Church is supposed to be easy and fun. But I'll tell you what, church for me this time last year wasn't fun. I was mentally incapacitated. I was physically incapacitated. I could hardly do anything. But the Word of God in me got me out, and now it's fun again because the Word of God was in me. And so for your lives, what I'm saying right now, how do we want to go to a dead church? Do you want to come to church to challenge you and get you pulled up some? Yeah. Amen. So I'm going to give you some verses the next week. If you don't have to quote any verses, if you don't want to, but I'm going to voluntarily say, who has a Bible verse that we gave you last week that you can quote? And then all I'm going to have you do is just stand up, or if you're bashful, stay seated down. And if you have to close your eyes, close your eyes. But just quote the verse where it's that chapter verse. You know what that's doing? Your mind is metamorphi. You're renewing your mind. You're in a process of changing. So anyway, here's some of these verses. Matthew 8:17. Write that down. Matthew 8:17. Write these down and learn what you can, but at least learn one of them. And next week, if you're brave enough, when I ask for volunteers, just raise your hand and quote it where it's at and what it says. Mark 16, verse 17 and 18. Mark 16, Verse 17 and 18. Here's a really easy one. Luke 5.15. Luke 5.15. Here's one we quoted a few times tonight. John 10.10. John 10.10. Acts 10.38. Acts 10, verse 38. And here is a healing staple, this last one. Peter 2.24. First Peter 2.24. All those are basic New Testament Bible verses about your healing and your health. And remember what Paul said. He said at one time you were like the unsaved world. You were separated from the promises. You were without God and no hope. Well, these verses will help you to grab a hold of God, grab a hold of hope, that grow as a Christian. So anyway, I pray that you were challenged tonight. You got something out of it tonight. If you'll be serious, you don't have to learn all those verses. If you just learn one of those verses, you've come up a peg in your faith. Amen, amen, amen. Well, let's give the Lord a hand stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.